I'm Pastor Corey, and you're listening to the Orange United Methodist Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that wants to help you find your place in God's story. And we hope this sermon can guide you along that path. Visit orangemethodist.org to find out more information about location, service times, upcoming events, and ways to give. We hope you enjoy. He replied, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was about now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. While the sun's light failed, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, crying with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. When the centurion saw what had taken place, He praised God and said, certainly, this man was innocent. And when all the crowds had gathered there for the spectacle, saw what had taken place, they returned home, beating their breast. But all his acquaintances, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. I give thanks for the opportunity to be present with you today. Later this afternoon, my wife Jennifer and I will be leaving uh, to go on a trip. This is Jennifer's bucket list item, number one. We are going to Germany. And so we'll have a long flight to Munich. And then tomorrow, uh, and then in a few days, we'll also be visiting Prague, which is where my daughter-in-law had studied abroad and spoke of it as one of the most beautiful places on earth. And so I am so thankful for this opportunity for Jennifer and I to get away and spend this time. I'm thankful for Pastor Corey, who will be available. If there is any sort of need that you may have during my absence, you can try to call but I'm not sure I'm going to answer (laughs) during that time. So uh, feel free to reach out to the church. Pastor Corey or Pastor Sarah would be able to offer assistance. And we give thanks this weekend. Pastor Sarah is away with our youth as they are on their beach retreat this weekend, but they will be returning later today. So all of these things, we give thanks. Let's go to God once again for a time of prayer. Lord, we give thanks for your holy word, your word that reminds us truly of the love that you have for us, a love that was made real through Jesus. And so today, as we consider more about what it means for us to believe in Jesus, may your word become real for us. By the power of your Holy Spirit, would you transform the words that proceed from my mouth and as they fall upon our ears and penetrate our hearts, may they be changed into the word of God that we need to hear today as individuals and collectively as one body. Lord, we pray this in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit and all of God's people said, amen. Back in my college days, as I've shared with you before, I worked as a commercial painter during the summertime. It was an opportunity for me to make some money to help pay for school and the books, but it also was a time for me to be able to learn how important it was that I hit those books when I was in school. I worked with an interesting group of people, and one of the guys that was on my work crew could never remember my name. 
You ever have somebody like that that can't remember your name? One day he might call me Alan, another day he might call me Alex, and I would always try to correct him to let him know what my name was. Day came that he said once again, I just, I can't remember your name. And I said, I'll tell you what, I'm going to give you an easy way to remember my name. It's the first man in the Bible. And he saw those wheels start turning in his head. And he had a confused, perplexed look upon his face. And he looked at me and said, well, your name ain't Jesus. He's quite right. My name ain't Jesus. But that name Jesus, when we say that name Jesus, there's just something, there's just something about that name. It is the name above all names. He is the beautiful Savior, the glorious Lord, Emmanuel, the God that is with us, our blessed Redeemer, the living Word. There's just something about that name, Jesus. I mean, we gather together here today and join online because of that name of Jesus. Reminds me of what First Peter chapter 2, he writes, Peter writes, Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. We became a people because of Jesus. Because of this Jesus. And our gathered presence, it becomes actually a living symbol. Remember last week as we began talking about the Apostles' Creed, we talked about the word symbol. And there is one common definition for that word symbol, which is that it is something that stands for or suggests something else by reason of relationship, association, convention, or even resemblance. So a symbol being something that stands for or suggests something else. But the oldest definition of that word symbol is one that I don't think we always think of. That word of symbol, the first definition actually is an authoritative statement or summary of faith or doctrine. Authoritative statement or summary of faith or doctrine. Also known as a creed. Creed from the Latin word credo, which means I believe. And the creeds that we have as people of faith have developed over the years. And around 150 AD, people came together and they began to form in answering against the controversies and the heresies that had been false teachings that were continuing to be perpetuated. They came together and they formed what was first known as the Roman symbol ultimately became known as the Apostles' Creed. And this was developed, in particular, it was used in baptism. When a candidate for baptism would be brought forward, they would be asked the question, do you believe in God the Father Almighty? And the response would be, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? And that's where we get to today, the part about Jesus and all of this creed came together as a way of being this symbol, this sum summary or statement of our faith. And in many ways, it became a symbol, suggesting and meaning something more that was being lived out. And now it's something that we recite so many times when we come together as Christians. I want to invite you right now. You can turn in your, in your pew hymnal, or the words will be found upon the screen, but I bet there's a lot of you that already still have it quite memorized. Let's recite the Apostles' Creed together. It is in the hymnal on page 881. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, 
and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. As we began last week, we look at these words that we hold to, these words that we profess our faith with, and today we consider what it means to believe in Jesus. So, I believe in Jesus. There's just something powerful about that name, Jesus. I heard Tony Campolo one time speak, and he said that when he was in his time of prayer, many times he would find himself distracted in the midst of his quiet prayers. He might begin praying, and suddenly his mind would begin to drift or wonder to something else. That probably doesn't happen to you, but it was something that I can relate to. I know there have been times that I'll find myself in prayer, and as in the midst of giving God glory and honor and praise, I might begin to remind myself, don't forget to get bananas next time you go to the grocery store. And then my mind may chase some other rabbit. We get distracted. Tony Campolo said that as he was dealing with that distraction in his prayer time, he spoke about it with his mother, and his mother told him, Tony, in those times of distraction, just say the name Jesus. Say the name Jesus. Jesus. There's just something about that name. Even the demons shudder at that name. And so I myself have taken that practice on in the moments that I get so distracted. Sometimes I just say that name over and over again. Jesus. Jesus. And there's just something powerful about that name. I know when I've had to have one of those medical exams where you go in that tube, that tunnel, and oh, I can't stand that, to feel my breath bouncing off the thing on top of me. Oh, it's terrifying for me. And in those kind of moments, Jesus, Jesus, just saying that name, Jesus. And you know, the meaning of that name, Jesus, is so powerful and so meaningful for all of us. All of us have a name that has meaning, but the name Jesus literally means to deliver, to rescue. Oh, when you call on the name Jesus, you call on him, knowing him as your deliverer, as the one who rescues you when you could not rescue yourself. We have experienced what that means to have this one that came down from the throne and jumped right into our fallen brokenness to rescue us. That became real for me years ago when I remember uh, the church I was serving was near Spivey's Corner. If you've ever heard of Spivey's Corner, just holler. They used to have the national hollering contest. And that's right. And as I was serving in that church, it was a small rural church. Someone had the idea of having a father and child camp out. And I agreed to go along with it. My two boys were quite small, but I do not like camping. I like to sleep on a bed. I like to use a bathroom with running water. I am not a happy camper. But I agreed 
I consented to be a part of this. And so I had to borrow someone's tent because if you didn't pick up on it, I would not own a tent because I don't like to camp. And so we struggled to set this tent up. I, as you can imagine, it was an intense experience. You, you saw that one coming. That night, I did not sleep much at all because the sound of the bugs, the sound of the snoring, all the other noises all around. And that morning, when the sun began to come up, all the children were gathering down by a pond that was there right around our campsite. And on that pond, there was a little pier that went out just a little way so that people might fish. The dads, we all gathered by the campfire, trying to wake up. And as I was sitting around that campfire, my back was to the pond. But and all the children were on the, the pier. But I heard a sound of a splash that I immediately knew was a child that had fallen in the water. And so I jumped out of the chair. And just like something that would have happened on Baywatch, I start running towards that pond. You can see the ripple effects of where the child had gone under. And just before I got to the edge of the water, I saw the head of one of my children bobbing up to the top. He couldn't swim, but somehow he was making his way back to the top. I was so mad. I stopped what I was doing. I pointed at him. I said, you got yourself into this mess? You can get yourself out. Obviously, that's not what I did. I jumped in. That was my child. That was my boy. He couldn't save himself. And so I jumped in to that cold, cool morning water. I grabbed him, and I brought him to safety. Friends, that's what Jesus does for us. That's what Jesus did when he jumped off the throne to come to us in our brokenness, our fallenness, in ways that we ourselves could never save ourselves. We can't do enough good things to earn our way out of the waters. So Jesus comes to us right where we are. He is our rescuer. He is our deliverer. And when we simply say the name Jesus, we're affirming he is our rescue. He is our salvation. So we believe. We believe in Jesus. We believe in Jesus Christ. Some might think that the name Christ is his last name. That is not his last name. I don't have to tell you. Christ is his role. It's a title that he fulfills, that he lives into. We're familiar with being associated with the roles with which we are identified by. We refer to Pastor Corey as Pastor Corey. Now, Pastor is not a part of her name, but it's the role that she so eloquently lives into and fulfills. Jesus as Christ. Christ is a word that means anointed one. The anointed one. The Hebrew word is another one that I know you're familiar with, Messiah. Messiah, an anointed one. When we think of anointed one, I think about how when King Saul became the first king of Israel, he was anointed with oil. Oil was placed upon him. This mark that he was the Lord's chosen one. However, King Saul was not obedient. He was not faithful. He was impatient and acted by his own devices. And so God needed to anoint a new king of Israel. And so King David was then the anointed one. Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one to rule over all things. 
When we refer to him as Jesus Christ, we are acknowledging that that is a role that our rescuer, our deliverer, has come to fulfill, to be the king. So I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. Last week, we spoke about how one of the very earliest creeds that we can find in the scriptures even is Jesus is Lord. Very simple. Jesus is Lord. In the Apostles' Creed, when we affirm that Jesus Christ is our, his only son, our Lord, we are once again making that same affirmation of faith. That is one of our earliest creeds, that we believe he is the Lord. He is the ruler of all things conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. And we draw upon the scriptures to come to our understanding of the way that this happened. Now, how biologically it happened blows my mind. My mind is much too small to be able to comprehend it. But my faith, my faith tells me that that which is recorded in the Gospel of Matthew and in the Gospel of Luke is that the Holy Spirit came upon Mary. Mary conceived and she brought forth Jesus, this incredible being, this presence that is fully God and fully human. And the scriptures today that we read from draw upon that next statement, that Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate. He was crucified, dead, and was buried. Here in this story of the scriptures of the crucifixion, we have the beautiful story of Jesus being nailed to a cross with one criminal on one side and one, another on the other. It says that people are mocking Jesus and throwing these very words about Savior, about the Messiah, one that could save himself. And they're saying, if he is the Messiah, let him save himself. The soldiers are mocking him and throwing that back at him. Even one of the thieves on the cross says, you are the Messiah. If you are the Messiah, save yourself and us. The other thief says to him, to, Who are you? For we ourselves are get, getting the punishment that we deserve. But he has done no such thing. And then that thief turns to Jesus. He says, Remember me. Jesus, once again, deliverer, rescuer. Jesus. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replies, today you'll be with me in paradise. Jesus suffered. Jesus died. And Jesus was buried. I love how in this time of his, when he died and when he breathed his last, the way that it is recorded here in Luke, one of the centurions Possibly one of the very people that had nailed the nails into his hands and his feet. One of the centurions looks upon this man that has died a death upon this cross. He says, surely this man was innocent. This is a huge statement. I mean, this would do no good for him to actually say that this person that we have just put to death has suffered a death that they did not deserve. You wouldn't want to say that. But the way that it's also recorded in the Gospel of Mark, I love what the centurion says then. Surely this man was the Son of God. These 
These eyewitness testimonies to who Jesus was. I mean, for a centurion to say that this man was really and truly the son of God, it goes against all logic for him to say something like that unless he fully believed it. We rely upon these scriptures that say that he was placed in the tomb. And on the third day, he rose from the dead. Each one of the gospels has the citation of the empty tomb. What? Who would make this up? This had to be true in the ways that Jesus rose from the dead. And then the scriptures continue and says that he ascended into heaven. At the end of the gospel of Luke and at the beginning of Acts, we have this presence of Jesus Christ who ascends into the heavens, witnessed by so many people around These are the things that we know. These are the things that we believe about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we receive these beliefs because of the scriptures. The scriptures that have held true for these years. But we hold these scriptures to be true as well because of the tradition that we stand upon. We stand upon almost 2,000 years of those that have believed these very things that have continued to be held true ever since around 150 A.D. when the old Roman symbol was first developed, this Apostles' Creed. We continue to hold to this tradition. We cling to these truths because of the way that our minds work it together to fully understand who Jesus is, and we use our reason. And we make this statement about Jesus Christ because we ourselves have experienced He is who he said he was. He is the son of God. He is our savior. He is our rescue. All of this reminds me of what C.S. Lewis wrote about in Mere Christianity. You may have heard it referred to as the trilemma argument, or you may have heard it as the Lord, liar, or lunatic. In In this writing, he says, Jesus claimed to be God. His claim is either true or false. If it is true, then ipso facto, he is God. If the claim is false, then either he said it knowing that it was false, in which case he is a liar, or he said it knowing it was not knowing it was false, in which case he was mad. Therefore, we are left with three logical options. He is either God or a liar or a lunatic. You know, from what we know about Jesus... From what we know about Jesus, there's nothing that has been indicated throughout the scriptures that Jesus himself would have ever been a liar. We, even people that don't believe him to be Lord and Savior recognize each of his teachings hold moral truths that are relevant for all societies. And so it's hard for us to reconcile ever that Jesus would be considered a liar. But then... If Jesus said he was the Son of God and proclaimed these things, that he himself was the Messiah, then and he truly believed it but was not, that would mean he would be a lunatic, that he was mad. But there's nothing about the life experience that we see through the Scriptures that give witness to any kind of behavior that would be considered lunacy. And so if he's not a liar, if he's not a lunatic, that means he is who he said he was. That means he is the Lord. And we, as followers of Jesus Christ, continue to hold true that he is who we said he was, that he is God's only son. 
He is our Lord. He is conceived by the Holy Spirit. He was born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. And on the third day, he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. These truths we hold to. These things we believe. Let us pray. Lord God Almighty, we give thanks for the rescue that we have received through Jesus. When we could not save ourselves, you sent your son. Your son who stepped down from that throne. Your son who came to be one of us. To be God with us. To be Jesus, our rescue our salvation. And so today, Lord, we continue to cling to that hope that we find in him. We continue to cling to that which we know to be true, that we are your people, that you have demonstrated such love, that we cling to that hope we have in Jesus. So Lord, today, may you make firm within us once again our belief in Jesus as our Savior. We pray this in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit and all of God's people said, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can find us online at orangemethodist.org.